Hello, and welcome to Victory Briefings, where we use the Word of God for a victorious life. I'm Dwight Hammond, and I'm glad you're listening today. Be blessed by the Holy Spirit as He gives you new revelation knowledge through the Word of God. Today we're going to be looking into Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. We're at the right hand of God. Hallelujah. Get your Bible and something to take some notes with. You're going to want to write down some scripture references we have today. I want to remind you that knowledge can be divided into two categories. I talked about this before, but we uh, need to realize that theory and practical knowledge are the two types of knowledge here. In chapters 1, 2, and 3, Paul deals with doctrine teaching the concept and underlying principles of the church. Then in the last three chapters, 4, 5, and 6, he deals with practical application or applying the knowledge of the first three chapters, the conduct or behavior of the church. Our position of authority in Christ is what chapter 2 is about. So let's start with Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, and work our way through this. Chapter 1 emphasized our possessions, our riches in Christ. And we will see that chapter 2 emphasizes our position in Christ. Your position determines your possessions and authority. For example, regardless of where the President of the United States may be physically, his position, where he is seated as the man who sits in the White House, gives him power and authority. And so it is with a Christian. Regardless of where we might be physically, Paul was a prisoner when he wrote this letter. We have power and authority in the spiritual realm because of our position in Christ. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 talks about being raised and seated on the throne. Verse 1 begins by telling us we were dead in trespasses and sins. Keep in mind that death in the Bible is a separation Death does not mean to cease to exist. Humans are spiritual. Spirits are eternal. Physical death is when the spirit and soul separate from the body. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. God is a spirit, so spiritual death is separation from God. If death meant that people ceased to exist, there would be no resurrections. Chapter 2, verse 1 tells us, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. See, sinners are dead spiritually. That is, the inner man is dead to spiritual things and cannot respond to them. Death is certain, and the separation that it causes is certain. We exist eternally in heaven or hell, depending on our decision we've made for Jesus Christ while we are alive on the earth. Ephesians 2, verse 2, In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Now sinners are not only dead, they are enslaved by the world and live for its pleasures and fashions. Sinners, and carnal Christians too, far as that goes, think they are doing their own thing. Wrong. They are being manipulated and led by the God of this world. They're not doing their own thing. They're doing the devil's thing. They're conformed 
to this world. The cosmos is the satanically organized system that hates all that is godly. Read John 15, verses 18 and 23. Here in verse 2, Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. He is the prince of demons who are the power of the air. Earth's atmosphere is full of evil spirits. The devil has directed some demon spirits to earth to find a body to inhabit. They need an earth body in order to operate through while on earth and in the world system. We were a people who lived according to the plan of the world. The devil, also known as the prince of the power of the air, dictates how society and global culture is shaped, working it out through those who are dead to Christ. Tell a sinner that the world is under condemnation of God and it's passing away and they will laugh at you. They are in bondage to Satan, who is at work in their lives. This does not necessarily mean that he makes them all drunkards and murderers. No, his usual scheme is to give people false security through self-righteousness, though they are unrighteous and spiritually dead, separated from God. Jesus called the Pharisees children of the devil in John 8:44. yet they were religious, upstanding citizens. Don't be deceived by the idea that good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. No one has entered heaven because they were basically good. Jesus is the only way, John fourteen six. You must say yes to him and be born again, John 3, verse 3 and verse 7. Ephesians 2, verse 3. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. We are born by nature children of wrath. When we reject Christ knowingly, after reaching an age of accountability, we become sons of disobedience by choice. What a picture of the lost sinner. All humans start out under three curses. In verse 1, under sin and its wages, which is death. Verse 2, under the world system and ruler, the devil. Verse 3, under the lust of the flesh and the self-centered mind. At the end of this verse where it says, just as others, Paul uses the similar phrase in 1 Thessalonians 4.13 when he says, as others who have no hope. This is the desperate situation God saw us in as he planned our salvation through the blood of Jesus. We were not a pretty sight. Verses 1 through 3 tell us what we were and how God found us. Spiritually dead, under Satan and his system, controlled by the flesh and thinking like the world. In spite of our great educations and all our good intentions, we were lost and speeding towards hell. We need to see everyone from a biblical perspective. These first three verses should give every Christian a deep compassion and mercy for those who are still lost and confined to enemy strongholds. However, there is good news. In verse 4, we come to know the love of God. Even in our nasty condition, God loved us. Verses 4 through 9 in the second chapter of Ephesians tells us what God did. Verse 4 But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. But God, these words are among the greatest in the Bible. 
God could have allowed us to go on in sin and live eternally with the devil in hell, but instead he chose to save us. The word rich here, when it says rich in mercy, is the Greek word plusios. It means filthy rich. This is where we get the English word plutocrat. Someone that is so rich, he has influence over others. In Greek mythology, Pluto was the god of wealth. God, who is Plusios, uses his wealth to win us over. God's rich in mercy. God's rich mercy is his grace in action. When grace is bestowed toward man, it is called mercy. This principle also works in man. God has given us all the measure of faith. Faith is the means of receiving God's grace, but it does no good until it's put into action. When faith is put into action, it's called believing. Faith produces the ability within people to receive the grace of God. God's grace always comes first, so our faith has something to receive. Mercy is God's reaching out to man and believing is man reaching out to God. Where it says his great love, in verse 4, God loved us when we were completely contrary to him. The love of God is who he is. He didn't just love you and me, but he loved the world, John 3.16, and he continues to love us. Now the next verses show his rich mercy. Verse 5 says, Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved. Up until verse 5, we were dead, alienated from the life of God. That's what it says in Ephesians 4.18, we'll see later. In trespasses, the sin that separates causing death. The only way a spiritually dead person can communicate with God is to be made alive. And that must be done by the one who is himself alive. He is the living God who gives life to the dead. Romans 4, 17. He made us alive, then raised us up out of the mess and gave us a seat with himself in heaven. More than that, he made us members of Christ. Three togethers in these verses. We have been quickened together, raised together, seated together in the heavenlies. We are together in resurrection, ascension, and authority. Ephesians 2.6, and I'll switch over to the uh, NIV version. Verse 6 tells us in the NIV, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So the first part of the verse, besides being made alive, we also have been raised up with him. This is about us being positionally resurrected. After Christ's resurrection, he was given powerful authority. So too, Christians in whom he dwells have a powerful position of authority. For more information on authority, um, you may want to go back to the podcast, What Authority and Why the Battle. It's a good insight on the authority that the believers have. It's uh, podcast number VB008, and the title of it is What Authority and Why the Battle. You can find it on the website or your podcast app. 
This new life of power and authority demands that believers have a new set of values. As Paul stated in his companion letter to the Colossian church, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. The second part of uh, verse 6 tells us, Not only has God made us alive and raised us up with Christ, but he also has seated us with Christ in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We can see this in chapter 1, verse 3, verse 20, and chapter 2, verse 6, chapter 3, verse 10, and chapter 6, verse 12. We are seated spiritually in heaven with Christ. We are no longer just earthlings. Our citizenship is in heaven, Philippians 3, 20. Jesus is the exalted Son of God, and we are the exalted sons and daughters of God. Romans 8, verse 11 tells us, If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7, back to the uh, New King James Version, says, that the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Why did God want to sit us in a heavenly place with him? Well, he wants us to be with him throughout eternity so that he can show us his boundless riches of grace in kindness to us who are in Christ. There is more grace now according to James 4, 6, available in this life, and he supplies our needs now, Philippians 4, 19. But the Father wants to show us his inexhaustible storehouse of grace. Praise God. He will never run out of grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not of works, lest anyone should boast. These verses explain the exceeding riches of his grace. Verse 7. Paul extends his parenthetical statement in verse 5, where he said, By grace you've been saved. He adds that the means of this salvation is through faith. Faith is not only our means of receiving salvation, but it is also our means of receiving anything else from God. Wisdom, healing, deliverance, it's all available through the faith that God gives us. That way all the glory goes to God the Father, not to us. If the faith came from us, we could boast. But since everything comes from God, even the means of appropriation of those things, then all the praise and glory goes to him, not human works. Failure to understand the necessity of both grace and faith working together has led many people to many problems. Some people emphasize God's grace to such an extreme that it renders faith useless. They say everything is up to God's sovereignty and grace is controlled by Him alone. That's wrong. It's just as wrong to emphasize faith apart from God's grace. That becomes legalism. 
you need to um, look around my website and find the Faith and Grace article. It's a whole separate teaching. Ephesians 2, verse 10, tells us, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I like this verse. The Greek word for workmanship is poema. This is where we get the English word poem. We are God's special creation from his heart. When you read a beautiful poem, the glory doesn't go to the printed page. The glory goes to the author, the creator of the work of art. When we say, wow, that was a great book, we really mean that was a great author or a great writing. We are God's creation. He authored us. We are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece. We are created unto good works. You do not do good works to get saved. You are saved so you can produce good works. Jesus changed your nature on the inside. We were by nature children of wrath. Good works do not produce good nature. Good nature produces good works. Amen. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to support organizations that fight for First Amendment, religious freedom, and freedom of speech, Second Amendment, right to bear arms, and sanctity of life. Patriot Mobile is a U.S.-based company. Tell them I referred you, and they will waive your setup fee for each of your phone lines. Just let them know that Dwight Hammond referred you and save money right away. The Victory Briefings podcast is brought to you in part by Patriot Mobile. PatriotMobile.com, 972-PATRIOT. 972-PATRIOT, PatriotMobile.com. I hope you are subscribed and will make it a part of your ministry to share this message with others. God bless you, my friend. This program and other materials are available at VictoryBriefings.net.